The Free for All Roundtable. Round two. Joining me in the studio, Toronto City Councillor Brad Bradford, who just hustled in here in the nick of time, put on his headphones, and we're delighted to have him, as we are with Tim Hudak, the former leader of the Ontario PCs and now the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and an old friend, Mitzi Hunter, former MPP for Scarborough, mayoral candidate, head of civic action. I mean, the resume just goes on and on. So welcome to you all. Good morning. Thanks, John. So I don't know where to start today. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I I won't start again as serious as is by far the most serious thing we've been talking about all day, which is this uh, hate-motivated arson in North York. But uh, let's let's come back to that. I'd like to start maybe then with the crime stats. We've been talking about this half hour with Chris Lewis. And, you know, everybody that's talking about this this morning says, and I'll start with you, uh, Mitzi, that, you know, there's reason for some encouragement here. Some of the things we've been doing both on the policing side, but also on the support for the community side uh, to help. Uh, people who might need a bit of extra support to, um, you know, stay on the right path, uh, that, um, you know, we've we've got to sort of stay the course on this. What do you think? Yeah, I think there are some good good things noted in in the decline in in serious uh, crime and violent crime. And, And as you know, John, I've been an advocate for for making gun violence a public health issue, which the City of Toronto Board of Health adopted um, the private members bill that I'd put forward. And uh, and and we see that that there is that decline over time in in gun gun related crime and in deaths. And I, I think that that's something as a large growing city, um, you know, we have to applaud that. I also want to give the city um, just its its acknowledgement of its investment in the community crisis response um, for non-police related calls such as mental health. And, and that program was piloted, uh, showed great results. I know the Taibu Community Health Center participated in that. And 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 so these are the types of things that we need to see. Um, definitely, the increase in in car theft is is worrying in all parts of the city, and uh, and we need to see um, a turnaround there. But I do think that this report is good news. We want to celebrate it. Um, John, can I also just acknowledge that the. Um, Fenella Bruce, who I've known since U of T days, uh, was was just named as the business uh, the, the the business communicator of the year, and uh, and I know I worked with her quite a bit on that private members bill. So I just want to acknowledge that today as I'm on with you. Okay, Missy, thank you very much. And uh, Brad, I'll turn to you next and say, you know, I had quite a bit to say a few minutes ago, and I can say it perhaps in a more outspoken way than when I was mayor, that I hope nobody really wants to tamper with the proposed police budget because I think that you know they have their problems, but they also are in much need of the resources to make sure that we can continue to be heading in the right direction uh, on the level of criminal activity in the city. Do you think that uh, the days of these kind of furious debates about uh, defunding the police are kind of over, or are we going to see another chapter of that this time around? TBD, let's stay tuned. I mean, we saw it last year in in your final budget there. There was still a member's motion, uh, walked on amendment on the floor again to to take a million dollars off the budget. Um, I'm actually uh, surprised that the the police were able to put forward a a budget at, I think it's 1.83% increase. And, you know, credit to them, that must be very challenging, especially heading into a contract negotiation year where we know it's it's certainly going to be a lot more than 1.83%. And 
as you've identified, John, you know, 90% of the police budget is staffing, and we need those officers and those resources on the ground. Uh, the report and the numbers that come out today, you know, yes, serious crime is down, um, but I don't think we should take a victory lap on that yet. Like, it's about a feeling, you know, more important than the numbers is the feeling, and I'm doing the daycare circuit and lots of kids' events now and stuff uh, with my two young daughters, but I hear from parents all the time. They don't want to take their kids on the TTC. There were people, what was going on over the holidays, that didn't want to take their families to the Eaton Center because of all the chaos and stuff that was going on there. So, you know, it's nice that people aren't getting shot, but if they're getting assaulted or shanked, uh, that is a different type of problem. And again, we have to make those investments in, in police force and, and all of the other additional investments with respect to mental health crisis response that, that allows our officers to deliver effective public service to keep this city safe. That has to be our number one priority. And Tim, uh, you know, people say it's just an insurance matter and so forth and so on. But I think similar to hate crimes that we've been talking about a lot this morning and similar to uh, what Brad was just referring to, um, car thefts uh, and carjackings, which are dramatically up in these numbers, are another contributor to that kind of fear that people have about living in the city and not wanting to go out or not wanting to do this or that. And people shouldn't be afraid to live in the city, whether it has to do with, uh, you know, with uh, discriminatory acts or with uh, carjackings for that matter. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and sadly, Debbie and I contributed uh, two uh, of those stolen cars uh, to that uh, record in, in 2023. And we have neighbors that lost three, believe it or not, John. I, I'm more on Brad's side than, than Mitzi's on this. That's where I'll cast my ballot. I, I think Debbie and I and our family and our neighbors feel less safe in uh, Toronto than we would have uh, even a few years ago. Well, gun violence is down, thankfully. Let's see if that's actually a, a long-term trend or simply a quelling of gang activity. Hopefully, we're doing a better job at uh, stopping guns at the border. But, man, you know, the increase in, in violent assaults, the increase in violent carjackings, uh, the thefts, the, the feeling of an ease, John, I, I'm happy. This is something you always stood for. Um, as mayor uh, of Toronto, as leader of the Ontario PC Party, more feet on the ground, reinforcing, you know, the, the strength of our police forces uh, in, in the cities across our province. Happy to see that in the budget. We need to stay the course with, with two changes. The less time police spend filling out paperwork and the more their feet are actually on the ground in the neighborhoods and less time sitting around and drawn out court hearings, the better off it will be for public safety in the long run. I'll ask uh, you and Brad uh, just the next one and then we'll give Mitzi first chance on the one after that. But just on the home sales, worst uh, record for home sales in 23 years. Um, and, and, and yet it seemed to be turning up a little bit at the end of the year. Um, is this uh, an indication of really just the pressures from interest rates and from people's uncertainties about the economy, Tim, uh, and, and what are you hearing in your circles about uh, where that's headed? Because it's important to the government, too, because of things like land transfer tax, as much as we hate it, uh, the governments rely on it to provide services uh, for us. Sure, and it was housing that kept our, our head above water in the economy um, during uh, during COVID uh, and uh, in the previous financial crisis. So it has been a, a tough year. You saw the lowest level of home sales in the GTA since uh, 2000, 12% reduction in the number of homes that were transacted. And you know, one thing that I, I've, I've learned uh, as, as you know from the Ontario Real Estate Association is housing is so much math, no doubt about it. How the finances work. You mentioned that, John. Circumstances in life and where you are, but a big part of it is also psychology. 
psychology. So when you see that interest rates have gone up, therefore mortgage rates have gone up, the housing affordability crisis has, has deepened. But when you're also coming off a, a hotter market previously, there's a psychology with buyers who say, well, maybe if I wait a little bit longer, you know, home prices will, will come down more, so I'll sit this out. And then sellers say, look, I'm not putting my home on the market not until I get the same as the neighbors you know, did across the street uh, in, uh, in 22 or 21. So that means that you have fewer transactions and fewer homes available. But there are some positive signs for 24. I am optimistic about the year ahead. The biggest enemy of a healthy, thriving housing market, John, is uncertainty. And when interest rates are moving up, that causes uncertainty. I think that explains a good part of 23. It's plateauing and then lo- uh, lowering interest rates in 24 will reopen the market. All right, Brad, I'm going to switch gears on housing and ask you about something a little different. You went through the experience with me. We were side by shoulder to shoulder on the need for uh, supportive housing, and you uh, have a supportive housing development in your neighborhood. Uh, finally, finally, after years of people going to tribunals and whatnot, one in North York has been approved, and quite frankly, it was being held up by the neighbors who were just saying, well, you shouldn't have it here. We think it's really important that you should have it, but just not here. And I think it's uh, great that the land tribunal here has said yes to this supportive housing development in North York, and that it now it can go forward as the one did in your neighborhood. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, the fact that we lost a year and a half in the tribunal process over this, uh, I'll remind folks that the supportive housing unit, um, the parking lot that was deemed the heart of the community in East York and, and the opposition that we faced. Uh, John, when you were mayor, we actually walked the street and went door to door and uh, I think kind of had our heads ripped off a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much misinformation and, uh, and misunderstanding around what these projects are and the supports that are in place. Um, the case with the Willowdale site, it was actually launched at the exact same time, as you know. Uh, we got an MZO from the province for the one in East York, and, and that wasn't on the table for the one in, in Willowdale. Now that that's been approved, or rather the tribunal rejected the appeal, we will be able to move that forward. And I can tell you, having met many of the residents at the Trenton Cedarvale site, hearing from them firsthand and the great work that Woodgreen Services is doing there, making sure that they're properly supported, the transformation in those people's lives, having the stability of housing, a roof over their head, and the supports that they can be so they can be successful in the community. That's been one of the most rewarding experiences for me as a counselor, just hearing about the difference that that housing and that community has made in their lives. And we know it'll be the exact same story in Willowdale. So uh, let's move this forward and let's do it at speed. Exactly. Mitzi, uh, shifting gears again to what has been the top story of the day. Um, you've been an outspoken advocate on this all the way through your life. I know that because we've been uh, people that have been friends and known each other for many, many years. It is important that the staff superintendent, Pauline Gray, who spoke up this morning and said this is a tipping point when we have literally somebody uh, committing an act of arson and putting anti-Semitic graffiti, that whether it is anti-Semitic or whether it's anti-black or whether it's uh, Islamophobic or whatever, that we stand up and, and are counted on this kind of stuff and that the police are given all the support they need to say, no, this is not protest, this is not political, this is criminal activity that just has gone a step too far. Toronto, as the most diverse city in the world, must be vigilant. When we see acts of of hate against any group of any kind, we have to take a stance. And I I think that what the staff superintendent has said is a call for for us to, to not let this hateful incident divide us as a community. 
and, and, and not allow it to strike fear, which is what it was intended to do. We have to take a stand against this. And right now, the rise in anti-Semitism that we see and, and and we also know all of the other groups that that have you know whether it's anti-asian or um, black anti-black racism or Islamophobia we cannot tolerate any of these incidences and we cannot let them divide us and and I absolutely agree that the full extent of the law has to be applied when we see things like this occur in our city Thank you. Well said. Uh, 30 seconds to each of uh, Brad and Tim, uh, starting with you, Brad, on this incident and how we got to stand up. Amanda Galbraith earlier said we're past the tipping point uh, that had already happened, and I agree. Um, <clears throat> look, the reality is this stuff has gone on for too long over the past number of months. Uh, I think elected officials need to be unequivocal and clear in condemning these acts. There have been too many that have been, let's say, missed. Uh, where where we haven't had that type of leadership and, and vocal condemnation of this. And I think the result is it becomes more and more permissive uh, to the point where we are now having Jewish businesses firebombed. Um, and that's the level of anti-Semitism that we're seeing in the city right now. It really ought not to be divisive to call that out with absolute clarity. There have been too many incidents that have been missed. So I'm glad we're all there now. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's getting out of hand. And I, I appreciate the Toronto police uh, being very vigilant and following up on this and, and hopefully laying some charges. Last word to you, Tim. Only 30 seconds, but please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see Staff Superintendent Pauline Gray with a crystal clear, unequivocal, passionate and strong statement condemning this violence. John, I wish we heard that more from our political leaders. I'm sorry to say this, but there's a disquieting uh, acceptance, it almost seems, or tolerance of anti-Semitism that would not be tolerated for any other community. Well past the tipping point, but we've got to stem the tide. I want to see more leaders acting like the police staff superintendent. Well said, Tim. Well said. And I agree 100% with that. We're going to uh, move ahead to the news at 9 o'clock, and uh, after that, we're going to talk about the uh, sentencing of Nathaniel Veltman in London, and uh, Marilyn Dennis will visit us as well. It's 9 o'clock here on News Talk 1010. Catch the round table, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.